It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Join the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Check it out. Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Wow. I, during the break, I, I know Declan was listening and I certainly was listening too. Um, Corey Perry is going to be like, if they win the Stanley Cup, they'll build a monument. He is, he's, he's at once signing with the Oilers and also trolling the Oilers for 2017. Declan, how much of, how much tape are we going to run here and who are we running? Well, we have Ken Holland and Corey Perry here. We have about 22 minutes worth of audio. I figured we'd probably run about 15 or so. Okay. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the extra special quote, quote referring to the Ducks goal. Love it. That comes a little bit later, so we'll run that after. Here we go. Holland and Perry. Getting harder and harder to keep things secret in the world that we live in. So that's why I'm here today to introduce Corey. In 2019, when uh, Corey was uh, bought out by uh, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, my first year here as a manager of the Oilers, I tried to went after Corey hard and uh, unfortunately made a decision to go to Dallas. So I've kind of been hot after Corey a little bit, uh, or not a little bit hot after Corey the last few years. I think he's the type of player that. Um, every team wants on their team. He's got an incredible winning pedigree. We we're just talking inside there. I was, we were together in 2010 in Vancouver when Canada won the Olympic gold. Um, they beat, when I was in Detroit in 2007, they beat us in the round of third round and went on to win the Stanley Cup. Um, he's won a world championship, Memorial Cup. Um, world junior, so certainly he's been a player that's been on uh, a lot of uh, winning teams. Um, when Chicago terminated his contract earlier this year, um, at some point in time after that, I reached out to his agent Pat Morris to, uh, uh, to wonder what was, you know, find out what was going on. Um, and over the course of the last few weeks, I've done uh, due diligence to. Um, to get to this point, uh, I would say that I've talked to Bill Daly. I know that uh, at, at Corey's request, uh, he reached out to Commissioner Batman and Bill Daly, and Corey and his agent Pat Morris went and uh, met together in person so that Corey could um, tell Commissioner Batman and Bill Daly as, as to uh, what was, uh, why his ter- contract was terminated in. Um, in Chicago, and I have talked to Bill Daly. I've talked to Kyle Davidson, the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, we've talked to other people that, that know Corey, um, and talked uh, internally. I've talked to obviously Coach Knobloch and Jeff Jackson and um, people in our organization, and ultimately decided uh, in talking to Corey and talking to Pat and the things that, that Corey has gone through here over the last two months uh, to get to this point to make himself a better person that uh, between the hockey, um, what he brings to a hockey team, his, uh, his winning pedigree, and what he's done over the last couple of months to, uh, like I said, make himself a better person, we felt that um, this was an opportunity to add a player that can make us better um, on and off the ice. He's, he's a great leader. Um, I love in the, you know, come playoff time, you think about blue paint goals and, uh, you know, greasy goals, and that's what Corey stands for. So uh, I'm excited today to introduce Corey um, to, our, to, to the Edmonton Oilers, and I'll let Corey talk, and obviously we'll be open for questions. <laughs> well, hey, guys. <laughs> it's... Uh, um... 
you know, uh, over the last two months, um, I've really had a, a chance to reflect and, um, you know, get the help and, and take full responsibility for what happened in Chicago uh, and, and try to better myself. And, you know, those are the, those are the things that I've been working on. I've been working on uh, with people in, in the mental health field and, um, you know, in, in different fields. So it's, you know, it, it's been a, a long time to get back to this, to this spot, um, to be back on that ice with, with players in, in the NHL. And, um, you know, I have to, have to thank, um, you know, my family, my friends, all the all the support I've gotten, the support from my my counselors, and just trying to better myself each and every day. And um, from where I was two two months ago to where I am today, I think uh, you know it's it's been a world of difference uh, the help uh, I've gotten and and to where I've come from where I've come from. Um, you know, on the hockey side, I'm excited to be here. This is a passionate fan base. It's uh, it's an exciting, exciting town, exciting time of uh, of the Oilers organization. I mean, you look around that room. You got uh, some pretty tremendous players, and in, in, uh, in Connor, Leon, um, Darnell, and the list just keeps going on. So. Um, like I said, I gotta say say thank you to the Oilers organization, um, to Ken, to, to everybody involved, to you know, to to be here, sitting here today, and, and talking in front of you guys. Hey Corey, I read Wilkins from Six Thirty. Chad, you mentioned what you've been through over the last couple months because you're an NHL player. You know, there's reporting and a public aspect of that as well. Was was there was hockey always in the forefront of your mind? Was there ever, or were you ever concerned? Hey, I, like I don't know if I'm going to play again. Like how? I'm just wondering about that. Well, when when everything happened and my contract was terminated, I didn't know where where things were going to go. Um, so at first, I took care of myself, and that was at the that was at the front of it. Is take care of yourself, get yourself in a better position, and, and you know move on from there. Take it day by day, and. It's been uh, it's been two months, and every day is uh, is a step in the right direction, and and that's what I'm going to continue to do. What was it like? Uh, I mean, you guys, Anaheim, you were playing against those guys. Certainly, you became a bit of a, a villain with Oilers fans as well. How is it like being in that dressing room around those guys, and now you're going to have some of those fans cheering for you? It's exciting. Um, you know, this isn't. Uh, this isn't the first team I've been on where, you know, fans or I've had battles with other players or, or whatever. So, you know, you, you, go, you walk into the, into the dressing room, you say hi, you get it out of the way, and, and you move on. Um, you know, I'm excited to, to really get down, down to work with these guys and, and, uh, and put the work in and, and see where this thing can go. Again, uh, you guys have a pretty good thing going here, 13 straight wins. Is there a, a risk in adding a big personality? People say, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it or don't upset the apple cart. Is it something that you had to talk to the players in the room about and, and sort of get a sort of a, a team view towards this? You know, when you ask that question, I would my first thought would be Specs up here, and he's been wondering where he's supposed to be on trade deadline day. If that's the thought process, then they should, you should just all stay home. Obviously, obviously well, you're, you're trying to make the team better. You know, it, it's uh, and uh, um, fortunate to be around some good teams th through the years, um, and you never really know. But certainly, we're adding a player here. 
that that they get, like I said, he's won at every level. Um, I got to watch him firsthand in Detroit. We had some battles when he was in Anaheim and I was in Detroit. Uh, got to know him a little bit when we were together in 2010 in the Olympics. Um, you know, we're adding a we're adding a player that, in my opinion, is plays playoff hockey, greasy, gritty, dirty, heavy on the puck, down low. Um, you need lots of depth. You don't know about injuries as you go into the playoffs, so you need lots of players. You need lots of depth up front. You need lots of depth on the on the defense. Um, and we, Corey and I talked to uh, Chris today. I mean, we're we're kind of shooting for Saturday, have a good week of practice, and because uh, then we go into that nine day break and then don't come out until I think the following Tuesday in uh, in Vegas. So I'd like to get him a play a game here before we go into the into the break. Um, obviously, I think Chris was here. We put in Hollow the other night I think he put in Gagne and Gagne scored the winning goal so um, you know we're on a great run but you know we're going to lose some games here there's still four, it's the National Hockey League and there's 40 games to go so it, uh, today I think we got our team better deeper bigger stronger um, more competitive and um, over the next from here to the to, to the trade deadline we'll continue to see if we can find ways to make our team better. He brings that bite that, uh, like you talked about. Just how valuable is that? When you look at your top six, you know you don't want to play against those guys. Now you look at your bottom six and you send out a guy like that. Well, I mean, what and Corey can talk here after. I'm, mean, you know, what I like about Corey can slide up and down the lineup. You know, he's he, obviously in his early in his career, he was a front line player. Him and Getzlav carried uh, uh, the, the Anaheim Ducks, and as his career has gone on, he's got a little bit older. He slid down the roster. He can play on your power play. Um, you know, he can. I, you know, we had talked about, um, you know, as we've gone through the process here over the last week or 10 days, as I know Corey had some, some other teams that to, to consider. You know, we've got some people here, that the forwards, that can carry the puck and transport the puck. He's got great hockey sense and can move the puck. And, you're, you know, you kind of, you're trying to look for, you know, pieces that, that all fit together. So, you know, you need some transporters, some people that win battles, go to the blue paint, can give and go. So we kind of felt that uh, it was a beautiful fit because we have some players here that he can complement up and down the lineup in the top six and the bottom six and he can play either he can uh, he can go up the lineup if we need him and he can go down the lineup if we need him and he can play on our power play certainly we've got a good power play but he kind of lived in that in that blue paint through the years so uh, he brings lots of different dimensions to our team Corey Nira right here at Jason Greger from Sports 1440. You'd mentioned in your original statement back in November how you were, you know, looking to get help for mental health and some substance abuse counselors. Um, what do you say to the people out there? Because lots of people maybe are going through similar stuff like that. Uh, what advice to give them? What did you learn about yourself during the last few months in regards to that? Um, you know, this whole situation is not easy. Um, but if you do have a problem, get help. Seek out. Um, you know, there's there's no shame in it. It's just you, if you need the help, go find it and uh, and and treat yourself. I mean, you, you, when I when I get up in the in the morning every day now, it's I can look uh, I can look myself in the mirror and be happy about myself and, and where I'm going and uh, and be proud of, of what I've done over over the last two months. So now you come back. Hockey's obviously uh, what you love. Why did you ultimately, what was it about Edmonton when you had a lot of suitors that you decided, Ken's mentioned he's tried to get you a few times. Why was this the right time now? Well, uh, um, yeah, I, I do want to say there, there was some some other suitors out there that, uh, you know, that were, were great options, and I want to thank them. But um, it all kept coming back, back here. Uh, you know, 
when when you have a six-year-old kid and you have Connor McDavid on the team, you kind of follow the Edmonton Oilers a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, but all jokes aside, this team's going in the right direction. And not just because they've won 13 games in a row, but you can see where, where they're going and, and, and their mindset and uh, and the vision they have that, you know, it's they want to win a Stanley Cup here. And I think you, you look at the pieces around that dressing room, as Ken alluded to, that, you know, there's there's guys in there that uh, that, that can play this game and play it well. And, um and when you really get down to it, there's a team in here that wants to win. And I, when I talked to Connor, um, you know, over this before before I ended up coming here and signing, um, you know, he, he mentioned all all the great things that uh, that that dressing room has, and uh, it really spoke spoke words and spoke volume uh, for me coming here. Corey, certainly want to respect your privacy in these matters, but do have to ask, is there any more light that you can shed on to what happened in Chicago that led to your contract being terminated? I think uh, when I put out my statement that, um, you know, it, it kind of mentioned everything and, um, you know, that's uh, kind of all I'm going to going to elaborate on. Fair enough. Your discussion with, uh, you know, the commissioner, Bill Daly, uh, how, do, how would you sort of characterize that discussion? And, uh, I mean, at no point has the league put any roadblocks in terms of you coming back, so you had their blessing, I assume? Yeah, we, uh, I talked with my agent, Pat, and, um, you know, it was kind of our decision to, to see if they would see us. We, we reached out to them, and, and we, uh, we, we found a meeting spot, and um, I went in, and it was a, it was a great conversation. Um, you know, he, I got got his more or less blessing to to come back, and and he just asked, you know, um, how I'm doing personally, and that's all he really, you know, that's what he he wanted to know, and 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 what I've been doing, and what I'm going to continue to do, in seeing people, and continue to to you know talk to people, and get keep getting help, and um, and do all those all the right things, and uh, and. Today here we are is and this is uh, this is what it's all about is coming back and and being in the right spot and being healthy again and uh, and playing hockey and doing what I love. It's interesting to hear both men speak about what Perry will bring. Uh, no surprise that Ken Holland would be interested in Corey Perry because uh, an older player, a uh, player who is famous but also very unique. Perry brings a unique set of skills. And then from Perry's point of view about why he was interested in. You know, coming to Edmonton, uh, he said there were some other suitors out there kept coming back here. He says when you have a six-year-old kid and you have Connor on the team, kind of follow the Edmonton owners a little bit. So I, I, I think you can sort of see the framework how this got done and why Edmonton was a front runner really from the beginning. And this is going to be an interesting signing. I think that there, in reading the text, I see a lot of people thinking this is a bad mistake and a lot of people saying, you know, I can see how this will work, and I think it's a I think it's a good bet. I think you don't have to. It's not like they traded a third round pick for this uh, individual. They signed him to a contract. He can come in and play. And based on the the numbers that I see and the intel from Rachel and others who I respect uh, in the analytics world, I think this might work out pretty well for the Edmonton Oilers. We'll see. Uh, Corey Perry had a a great inter, just a, a fantastic um, interchange. Uh, or exchange with the media. Do you have that clip? Because I love it. 
Let's go ahead and hear what Corey Perry said. Look forward to the fact you go to a fan base that you know basically despise you when you play on the other team, uh, and I mean that in a compliment. Obviously, you usually despise guys that have success against them. Um, many, many, uh, many were were wondering, uh, do you still think that was that goal legal in 2017? <laughs> Which one are you talking about? The uh, Kessler. <laughs> oh, the one where we tied it. Yeah. <laughs> I have no issue with it. The league had no issue with it. Puck on the net over the red line, and you move on to overtime. Love it. Love it. That's You know, it's funny because if 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 they win a Stanley Cup and Corey Perry's a part of it, I'm not saying all of that will be forgiven because, you know, fandom doesn't work like that. But it would be a great irony and something that people, I think, would be would laugh and cackle about for years and years to come if an event happened that went the Oilers way with Corey Perry on the ice during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay, Jason Greger is on the way. It's one eighteen. We're a little late for a break. This is Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. That's good stuff today. Maybe we should do like New Wave Wednesday and get some jam in here. That's entertainment or down in the tube station at midnight, and we could play some, you know, Blondie and, uh, you know, I keep saying television. I'd love to hear Marky Moon. Do you know that song, Marky Moon? I do not. Oh, it's great. Great guitar riff. Fantastic. It's been a big day today. The Edmonton Oilers made a signing. Holloway played well on Saturday. I thought that would be the lead story today. And then you got word yesterday uh, that, there, you know, Perry was coming to Edmonton, big signing. And then the media veil itself was, you know, pretty entertaining, I have to say. Uh, I, you know, Perry is obviously a bright fellow. The questions were great. The answers were great. Jason Greger joining us now uh, by phone. You were down there asking questions, Jason. He seems to be a guy who is easy uh, with the media and gave great answers and actually even mentioned the 2017, 2017 goal that still makes Oilers fans angry. Well, I had to ask that one. Uh, you got to have a little fun at times in a press conference. Um, you know, after all the serious questions were, were obviously uh, addressed first. Um, you know, Corey Perry, what is this, 19th year in the league? I, you know, I think he, if he's not comfortable now um, answering questions, then, you know, what the hell has he been doing for 19 years? So I, I think he's, uh, you know, he's a personal guy. And you know what, I look at, you know, he's, he's trying to you know, improve himself as a human being after, uh, you know, making some errors and, you know, he's been working with mental health counselors and, you know, substance abuse counselors. And, uh, you know, you wish him all the best. Anybody out there who's uh, who's uh, been, uh, you know, trying to improve themselves in those regards knows that it's not, uh, it's rarely an easy fix. Um, and it's, it's like a, oftentimes, a, you know, a lengthy challenge to, to continue to battle with it. So, you know, in that sense, you hope he does well. I think just from an on-ice perspective, I think uh, Corey Perry, I, I don't see – I really don't see how people can view this as a negative. Like, Corey Perry's in, Adam Murray's out. Like, it's, it's that simple. Um, you know, now, because the orders, they're healthy right now, but eventually one of their 12 forwards is going to be injured, right? So, you know what? If uh, whoever becomes the, the extra forward for a few games, like, I, knowing Chris Knobloch, I don't, if all the guys are healthy, I don't think he's going to want somebody sitting out for an extended period of time. So, you know what? There's going to be competition. And, that's a good thing. There, you know, there's not the Leonard Petrells or not even the Adam Ernie's or others that are going to be the healthy scratches now, right? It's going to be Gagne. It's going to be Brown. It's maybe it's Derek Ryan, and who knows who it's going to be. But you know, that's that's where it's at. And I think you know Corey Perry. Corey Perry is signed for the playoffs, Al. Right? Um, you know, if he scores five goals here in the second half of the season, that that's great because you know that's a ten 
you know, goal pace for a full season for a bottom six guy. You know, the, to me, that's fine. Um, you know, he'll he'll probably get a little bit of time in the second unit power play, I would think. And, you know, like I don't see the moving Zach Hyman off the first unit power play. Like there's zero reason to do it. So, um, you know, I could see him on the second unit. And, you know, he, he brings gamesmanship. And, you know, that that's something that I still – I don't think you can ever have enough of it when it, when it comes with skill. Like he's not just a, a fourth-line guy who goes up and down the wing and irritates. He's got really good hands. Like he's got 420 goals out. Another – I think it's 49 in the playoffs. So, you know, he knows how to score. And I think he knows how to battle on boards and, and get pucks out some of the, the non-sexy stuff at time that's crucial to winning in the playoffs. So, you know, the fact is, if, if you're a big believer that you need a, someone on your roster who's won a Stanley Cup, now they don't have to be the biggest contributor, Al, but you got to go back to 1989 Calgary Flames, the last team that won a Cup without having somebody on the roster who had won a Cup before. So maybe it's just a coincidence. And like I said, they don't all have to be the difference makers, but... I think at times, listening to Connor McDavid and Drysaddle, how, you know, in, in 2022 when they had Duncan Keith and, you know, they're down in L.A. and Keith just, he, he knew what to say to calm the group down because they'd never been there before. So, you know, they never be, this team has never, they've never won a game in the third round, this core group. So what if all of a sudden it's three to two in, in the third round, right? Now you're in uncharted territory. And so having someone in your room who can, you know, maybe calm things down, I think that's a big benefit. Yeah, there's there's also you know he's a unique player, and the others they've got penalty killing on the third and fourth line wingers. Uh, they've you know uh, Ernie offered a you know a physical uh, uh, you know part of the game. Gagne can can score goals without one of the big centers. He can he can help offensively. But Corey Perry that that agitating style which is so valuable in the playoffs. The others have they have gumption and they have you know grittiness. Kane Nurse, but Por- Perry is the sort of guy who irritates everybody. And and for me that's a unique. Unique uh, uh, flavor that he brings into this team, and maybe they didn't have enough of that. He's a he's a guy who is very physical and rugged, and he can win battles. But he's also a, a, an on ice jerk, and they I kind of needed that edge. I think. Oh, hundred percent. Like I'd be curious how someone can say they don't like it from a hockey perspective. If you want to get on your you know on your high horse when no one really knows what happened. Right. All I know, Al, and I've talked to there's nothing illegal here that went on. Right. Some some dumb, drunken decisions. And, you know, the level of dumb, um, you know, doesn't sound like it was a 10, but it wasn't a two. So, you know, it's somewhere in between. And, um, you know what, uh, we'll see. But from a hockey perspective, I, I really find it hard how you can view this as a negative for the team. Yeah, it's it, for me. It's when I look at Perry. I looked at the numbers, and you know, a, a little bit shy scoring. He had a high shooting percentage, but you know, the underlying numbers where he's he's playing a two way game and and outscoring. There's some there's some good indicators there. I think he might be a better fit than some people think. Oh, I I don't know. I, I, Corey Perry's never been a defensive liability. So I, I really don't see how, how, how anybody views him as not an upgrade over Adam Ernie. Like, that's who we replace on the roster right now is Adam Ernie. And then in the lineup, it's, it's going to be Gagne some nights. You know, maybe it'll be Connor Brown. Well, let's be real here. Yeah, Connor Brown's on the penalty kill and everything's great. But come on, he's got no goals. So if, if Connor Brown comes out for a game or two and Corey Perry's in, is, is it really that much of a, a notch down? Like, they got Dylan Holloway now here who's been killing penalties. I talked to him today. And, you know what, I don't be surprised. I think they're, they're going to want to try to get Dylan Holloway involved in the penalty kill here moving forward. Like, you know, a Connor Brown can't just rely on, well, I kill penalties for two minutes a game, and that's the reason why i got to stay in the lineup forever. At some point, you got to contribute. And, yeah, other parts of his game is forecheck. I've seen it all. It's improving. But at some point, you know, you can't have a goose egg. Uh, you know, in your goal, it's that. You just can't. 
Well, and also, you know, you brought it up last week, and I thought it was a very interesting take, take and, and viewpoint on it. You know, even though you're a veteran and you've, you know, been signed, this team is trying to win the Stanley Cup, so performance counts, and there are going to be guys in the press box during the playoffs, and maybe some people aren't going to, you know, be on the, the, the playoff roster uh, who are, are maybe veteran guys. This team is is trying to win, and it sounded like Ken Holland said he's not done. He's still looking to, to make the team better. Well, 100%, as he should be. Like The greatest part about this is the order just got a player to add depth that costs him nothing. He doesn't increase their cap because he makes the exact same money as Ernie. Now, there's a bonus we know, and that's going to be some more bonus overage for next year. Alan. Obviously, that's not ideal. Let's be real. But um, for this season, it, 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 there's no negative impact on the cap. He made the exact same amount of money as Ernie. And so, you know what? They could, they could, uh, they could make moves. And here's the other thing, Al, on a, on a, if we talk about the cap. Um, Jack Campbell's now got 11 straight games where he's got a save percentage of his last 11 games of 921. Right? He's got a 940 in his last four games, and he's allowed two goals in each game. Um, you know, Jack, cause, and remember, Jack Campbell, when he went down, his numbers were slightly better than Skinner. Yeah. They're both behind terrible D. Now, neither one was playing great, but now Skinner's games here, the team in front of him is way better. Could Jack Campbell come up now and, and do what Calvin Picker does? I think it's very possible. And what if he does it again next year? Well, then it saves you a buyout and more dead cap space, right? So there's, there's lots of things here with Jack Campbell um, that, that could potentially help without a buyout because I don't think the owners can just afford more dead cap space long term. I just don't think that's the, uh, the, you know, the ideal success rate. I'm, I, I don't think there's been a team that's won the cup with dead cap space. So, you know, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Do you see um, a less active deadline? I mean, the, the Holloway, if he solves fourth line center, Perry, the two-way winger, they'll probably add a defenseman. Ken Holland always does, as you say, maybe backup goaltending internal. Do you see this being maybe less of the uh, active deadline that we maybe thought a month and a half ago? Oh, 100%, right? Like, they've the owners have played really well. So, you know, if you don't have to give up a first-round pick, why do it? Just just on the off chance of – unless it's a clear – like, Matthias Echo was a major upgrade. There's no debating that. It was a major upgrade, so it's worth it. But, um, you know, I know people, people keep talking about Cody Ceci, and I've politely said, name the upgrade. Where is the upgrade that's worth what you're going to have to give up? No. Right, and, and I really can't find one that, that's that's an obvious upgrade that a the other team is going to, and then what is it going to cost you to do it? Right, like Ekholm was a significant upgrade out because they had no second pair left in. Right, they didn't have one, so it's a significant upgrade. And like people, well, maybe they move Kulak. Well, Brett Kulak's been one of the more arguably the last two years. If he wasn't their best, he was maybe their second most consistent defense in the last two playoffs combined. So now I get I get the role he played. But in his role, he was very consistent. So now you want to move him and you want to bring in Philip Broberg. Okay. Now, what has Philip Broberg done in the playoffs? If, if the Oilers feel they're a cup contender, which I think most people do, are you comfortable? Well, I can save some cap space, and to, but I put in Broberg. Are you certain? Just because he's playing well in the American League, that's not the NHL playoffs. And I know that Brett Kulak can play well in the playoffs. Now, I understand if they have to move Kulak in the summer to make a room for Broberg, that makes complete sense to me. And then you've got a full regular season, and then it's like, well, you know what? Next year, maybe we've got more experience. Broberg's a little bit older. You know what? Then, then, we, then you deal with it. That's just the reality of the cap. But I try, to, I try to think of teams that are at the top, Al, that are moving out guys to bring in inexperienced guys. Like the order's moved out Barry to bring in Ekholm. That's an experienced guy for an experienced guy. 
they, they didn't they didn't move out Barry to bring in a rookie with no real playoff experience. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm, I'm hesitant on these suggestions of moving out Kulak to open up a spot for Broberg when he has zero playoff experience, essentially. Remember, like, he's played, what, four minutes a night? That's not experience for me. No. And, and the, the other thing about it is, and this is something that I think that, that you know, probably Holland is thinking about, and, and, you know, may, let's say you add a seventh defenseman, uh, just a seventh guy, and then you send, you know, uh, you, everybody back to Bakersfield. Broberg's there as a recall if there's injuries, and yes. the, the, you need like probably eight or nine defensemen during a playoff run. Hundred percent. Like if you're going to add a defenseman, and it's a depth veteran guy, to so Phil Kemp's not in the press box. One hundred percent, I'm in favor of that, and I'll actually be surprised if they don't do it. Right, because you know they don't really have that guy in the organization right now. They don't have a veteran guy. Like you know, look at Tampa Bay when they went out and got Braden Colburn and Luke Shen, like just veteran guys who can fill in when you when you're right. You're going to have an injury, right? Maybe a kind of a D, and maybe it is Broberg. You can call up if you want, but it's nice having that other veteran. So I, I and let's be honest, those guys are fourth, fifth, sixth round picks. Right, you you know what uh, doesn't cost you a lot, but they can have really good value for your team. And so you move out of Phil Kemp. You bring in that guy as a number seven. I'm, I would be all in favor of that. Like to me, I'd be shocked if they didn't do that. Yeah. All right. What's coming up on the show? Well, we'll talk lots about uh, Corey Perry, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, of course, uh, record-breaking weekend, 13th in a row. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Alberta Junior Hockey League and what's going on there with uh, some teams uh, that are going to be leaving next season, and you know what, the right decision, wrong decision by the HL. We'll talk about that. And uh, obviously the uh, the NFL, Al, don't count out Pat Mahomes just yet. Um, they're still pretty good. Uh, the Detroit Lions are going to the uh, conference finals. Good for them. So, yeah, there's uh, there's lots to discuss. Terry Ryan will be buying more. Do, do you th- get the sense that the Buffalo Bills are just never going to get there? I don't know. Like, I, I look, like, you look at, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Josh Allen can't win. Well, let's, let's look at their offense. Their offense had, I think, 368 yards or something. But Josh Allen, either passing or running, was, uh, was like 270 of it. Right? Like, where is Stefan Diggs? He dropped the bomb out. Like, I don't know if your quarterback can throw a long bomb any better. It's pretty much right in his hands. Yeah. I think you got to come up with a big play there. Um, Josh Allen wasn't the one who faked the punt. Right now they got away with it because it ended up, uh, you know, uh, Kansas City uh, fumbled on the one-yard line. But, I, you know what, I, now Josh Allen's contract goes up significantly this year. I think he jumps up to like $45 million or whatever it is. So, you know, that obviously makes it a, a challenge. But, you know, you need a few other playmakers. And did, did, did Buffalo's defense, outside of when Casey fumbled it themselves, did they ever really stop him on a series? Yeah. Right, like no. <laughs> so, you know, like honestly, like they seem to score almost every series for at least for the first three quarters. So, I look at the Buffalo; they're close, but it's hard, man. And like, there's some really good teams that are gonna lose every year, and they're just not a good matchup for Mahomes and the Chiefs. And now, hey, they got a tough matchup, man. Like that Baltimore KC game, unreal. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the line is. I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'm guessing the Ravens are at home, so they're probably a slight favorite, but. That should be a hell of a game. Lamar Jackson has lots to play for. I thought he looked really good this past weekend. Um, you know, it's going to be a real tough test for them, but it's exciting. And you know, can can the Lions, who always give up big plays, can they find a way to win another game despite giving up big plays against uh, the Forty Niners? So, uh, well, they should sign, be uh, should be great. The, the Lions signed Zach Ertz. They're going to win. Uh, thanks, Jason. Look forward to it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the former Eagle. You're right, Al. <laughs> I look forward to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks, Matt. All right, there's Jason Gregory. He'll be on the radio at 2 o'clock today. Good stuff. He asked some really good questions today. There was a good press conference. Some of those are a little dull. That was not a dull one. That was uh, that was highly entertaining. All right. 
We're going to take a break because we have a very important feature on the way. It's Mama MMA with our friend Declan. People have been wanting to hear his voice more while it's on the way. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. And the feature that Declan correctly identified is not possible unless he plays that song each each time because my payoff is the song his payoff as we talk MMA was it a, an eventful week weekend in MMA it was an eventful week weekend i should say it was an eventful weekend in the some of the results that went down okay. as far as the actual quality of the fighting went it was a pay-per-view that left a lot to be desired okay well don't but, tell me about that do you feel robbed I never feel robbed because you have to go into these events knowing that things could go like this. Not mm. every fight is going to be a barn burner, a Turo Gaddy, Mickey Ward, Joe Fraser, George Foreman. You have to understand that there's a lot of uh, you know technical skills that are involved. There's a lot of distance management to get technical with it. There's a lot of risk aversion. So you have to understand that these things are possible. But even knowing those things, as a fan, sometimes you're kind of left scratching your head saying, You wish ah. there was a car crash. Well, some, sometimes you go into it wishing there was an event like that. And the main event was was a great main event. I, you know, I've, I've talked about some people. I've heard some people talking about putting it in the history books as one of the greatest fights ever. That is ludicrous to me. That is uh, for people <laughs> who need to watch more MMA. But it was a good fight. And we have a changing of the guard in the middleweight division. There's a new champion. Voila, South Africa. Driscus Duplessis. You've done it. Well, so now tell how big is this? So uh, middleweight is a division that was long... Long run by a guy named Anderson Silva, who you may have heard of, is commonly thought of as one of the goats of the sport. After Anderson Silva lost his title to Chris Wide Weidman, it uh it it flip flopped a little bit. Weidman had it for a little while, did well. Luke Rockhold had it, Michael Bisbing, Robert Whitaker, George St. Pierre actually came back and won the middleweight uh world title at UFC two seventeen. But it changed hands a little bit. The division lacked stability, I think it was safe to say. Right. Then this guy named Israel Adesanya, who's my favorite fighter, came in and restored stability to the division. He had all the makings to be a long reigning champion. He's a guy who is seventy five and five as a kickboxer. His nickname is the last style bender, and boy is it apt because the things this guy can do on the feet are unlike anything we've ever ever seen. As of late, Israel Adesanya had lost his touch to a degree. I think he lost the middleweight world title to Alex Pereira, regained it at UFC 287, and then lost again at UFC 293 to Sean Strickland. This would have been Sean Strickland's first title defense against a guy who generally likes to blitz forward. He makes things very awkward with for his opponents. And Sean Strickland is a guy who's kind of made his entire career off of having a circle and a jab. He did that against Driscus, but to no avail. It was Driscus's takedowns that were able to steal rounds. It was Driscus's awkwardness, his wild overhand rights, things like that, things of that nature that were uh, able to get him to win the uh, middleweight world title. And I say this because when we talk about Israel Adesanya bringing stability to the division, it now looks like that's out the window because Driscus Duplessis, you know, credit to him, he is now a world champion. But I was talking to a very good friend of mine who I, you know, trust very highly when it comes to his MMA knowledge. He was saying there were days when Sean Strickland and Driscus Duplessis would have been ranked eighth and tenth in the middleweight world rankings. Mm. Now these guys are fighting for the title. And on that base, you think about what is the division going to look like moving forward? How, you know, Sean Strickland is a guy who lost to uh, Jared Cannonier, who's right there in the top five, who arguably could have got the title shot ahead of him. There's a guy named Hamzat Shemaev who has come up to middleweight and seems to be a dom dominant wrestling force. There are a lot of guys in the picture. 
So you wonder, now that there isn't a guy with a diverse skill set that's so hard to time, like in Israel Adesanya, what is the future of the division going to mean? Is it going to start flip-flopping around? Are we going to have a long-reigning champion in Driscus Duplessis? My initial reaction would be no, but Driscus is also a guy who's out there. He's had seven UFC fights. He's won all seven of them. No matter how bad you think he is, no matter how awkward you think he is, no matter how much you think his style shouldn't be conducive to winning fights against elite technical fighters, he does it and he finds a way. So congratulations to him and my South African brother has brought us a world title nice and you love him like you love this fighter uh you well listen because of the south african connection he'll always have my fandom okay and i have to give him that appreciation but uh he does fight in my favorite fighter israel adesanya's division so i can't say i love him okay. i can't say i love him like that it'll is he will always be my guy in that division but i am happy to see him accomplish what he's accomplished also of note this card took place in canada out in toronto canadian male fighters went oh for seven on this oh, card now oh, the dear. females went two and oh Right. Credit to Julian Robertson and uh, Jasmine Jazdua Vicious. Credit to them. But the male fighters on the card who were supposed to rile the whole the hometown fans up, who were supposed to be there to get the uh, the barn burden, they went zero and seven. Disappointing. Maybe they were nervous. They probably were nervous a little bit. It was a high stage state. It was high stakes. It was a big event, and there was this guy named Mike Malott who was you know plotted to be one of the next welterweight contenders, or at least someone who could make noise in the welterweight division. He fought a guy in Neil Magny who is long been a gatekeeper of the welterweight division sits just outside not outside but just near the back end of the top 15 rankings this was supposed to be a guy that if you're mike Malata, you say hey go out here and start neil magny like everyone in your position is supposed to do and then we'll show you're ready for the next level right he fought very well against neil magny he ended up getting stopped with 20 seconds left he gassed wow. out he got mounted gave up his back in a couple different positions trying to tr- trying to shrimp out neil magny ends up getting the win and this is the trajectory of neil magny's career every time neil magny is counted out he comes back to win he did it against guys like Li Jing leon he's done it now against mike malott he always loses to the elite of the elite fighters mike malott proved he may be that guy in the future he is not that guy today Sounds dire. Yeah, but, I mean, listen, there's a lot at uh, stake for these guys because a lot of these guys, especially a guy like Mike Malad, who is new to his contract, you're on a show and win bonus. Hmm. So you get a certain amount of money on your paycheck for showing up to the fight. You walk in the cage. No matter what happens, happens. You get that set amount of money. You also have a win bonus, and it's generally doubled. The figures sometimes change. But if Mike Malad had gone out there and beaten Neil Magny, he would have got an extra whatever his contract may be, $50,000. So instead of getting $50,000 for showing and 50000 for winning, he just walks away with the 50000 for showing. I saw a lot of that in Iron Claw about how much money you can lose by losing. Uh, garbage pay-per-view, worst of all time, says Monotone yes, to Rice. it was certainly uninspiring. The co-main event was a bantamweight women's uh, world title fight between Raquel Pennington, who's nicknamed Rocky, and again, very apt nickname because her career has been nothing short of Rocky, and uh, Moiro Bueno Silva, who I think was thought by many to be the heir apparent champion in that bantamweight division. Terrible fight. That's all you can really say. Horrible fight. Very boring. And when you're these guys, when you're when you're a champion, you make money on pay-per-view points. It's worked into your contracts. Not too many people are going to be rushing out to buy the next Raquel Pennington pay-per-view because of her performance this past weekend. You know what I'm saying? How much of a uh, of a hit financially is she going to take because of this? That remains to be seen. She wasn't a big draw anyway. But now, I mean, you look at some of these women fighters, the Wei Li Zhangs of the world, Rose Namajunas when she was a champion, Yoani Young Jacek. These get, were exciting fighters. People mm-hmm. wanted to see them. It had nothing to do with gender. People wanted to see them because they put on exciting fights. Raquel Pennington has left us with a bad taste in our mouth, and no one is rushing out to watch her first title Interesting, interesting. Uh, Yeg Bud says Strickland was robbed hands down. 
I don't think so. I think it was a close fight. It was a split decision. So two of the judges scored it for it's it scored on a ten point must system. I believe I've covered that before. Two judges scored this fight forty eight forty seven for Duplessis. One scored it forty eight forty seven for Sean Strickland. The fight could have gone either way. If Sean Strickland had got the decision, I wouldn't have been mad at it. I personally thought Duplessis did enough to win. But a big argument a lot of people come back to is that you need you can't just beat the champion. You need to take the belt yeah. from the yeah. champion. And a lot of people feel he didn't do that. When you talk about it in that sense, I probably tend to agree. Duplessis didn't go out there and impose himself and quote-unquote take the belt from the champion. But we still got to remember this is a 25-minute sporting contest and it's scored a certain way. If it's scored a certain way that is in favor of one fighter, I think you have to respect that. I wouldn't go as far as to saying Sean Strickland was robbed, but I certainly get the uh, argument. Uh, Declan Izzy is sadly boring now. A couple of years ago, he was the style bender. Now he's boring. That's from Big John. Jo- Big John, it breaks my heart, but I do agree with you in 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 part. I do think when Israel Adesanya was a contender making his way up the ranks, he knew he had to put on a show. He knew he had to get fast-tracked. He knew he had to do what he had to do on his with his striking ability to get those next big fights. One thing is he was fighting significantly lower opposition, the Brad Tavares of the world, the, you know, Rob Wilkinson's, even Derek Brunson, who's the most apt definition of a top five gatekeeper you'll ever see. Once he got to that next level and once he understood the value of holding on to the belt, he understood that, you know, you need to fight a little bit more conservatively. You need to fight a bit more defensively. You need to fight with a higher fight IQ rather than going out there and trying to impress the fans. So Israel Adesanya, has he become boring? Yes, I think he has to a degree. Has he lost a touch? Yes, I think he has to a great degree. But when you were the champion, you needed to fight with that mindset, fight smart, hold on to the belt. It's much more valuable holding on to the belt in a boring fight than losing the belt trying to show it for the fans. You rock. You did a great job. Best job ever. Uh, Slashy says Perry is a bandwanger. He's chosen, uh, jumped on and been a significant contributor to three teams that made it to the final of the last four seasons. He must see something you like. I like it. That's a nice little spin there. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC. So we have Twang Tuesday tomorrow. We have Daniel Nugent Bowman tomorrow. And, and, you know, it, it is, we had so much to talk about today. I feel like we left a few, you know, like, have you ever played pool, like billiards or anything like that? I think I think we left some balls on the table there today. I think maybe we, we'll talk some of the things we could have talked to today we might have to address tomorrow. Are you okay with that? I'm more than okay with that. Do you have any early guest requests for tomorrow? I mean, naturally, we'll, well I'd love an AJHL. Okay. I'd that's love what, it. Yes, we were going for I, that today. I just, I want to figure it out. And then I also want to know if St. Albert's getting a team because I think they have to expand now. And where are they getting the players from? And who's mad at who? I want to know where the rage in the cage is. I know it's out there. And I have my people, but they're not in the AJ anymore. So I need to know what's going on. Almeida, did, did I ever tell you Paul Almeida was a general manager of an AJHL team? And he just cut everybody. And then they all, every one of them became major, major players in Edmonton business. That really backfired, but I love him. All right. Thanks for tuning in to The Lowdown. We appreciate you. Jason Greger is on the way. Please enjoy your day. Lots of Corey Perry talk straight ahead. Time now for an update.